Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the July 30th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're starting a new section of the Catechism, the part three of the Catechism, Life in Christ, and we'll uh, be doing uh, numbers 1691 through 1696. 1691. Christian, recognize your dignity, and now that you share God's own nature, do not return to your former base condition by sinning. Remember who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Never forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of the kingdom of God. 1692. The symbol of faith confesses the greatness of God's gifts to man in his work of creation, and even more in redemption and sanctification. What faith confesses, the sacraments communicate. By the sacraments of rebirth, Christians have become children of God, partakers of the divine nature. Coming to see the faith, their new dignity, Christians are called to lead henceforth a life worthy of the gospel. They are made capable of doing so by the grace of Christ and the gifts of his Spirit, which they receive through the sacraments and through prayer. 1693. Christ Jesus always did what was pleasing to the Father, and always lived in perfect communion with him. Likewise, Christ's disciples are invited to live in the sight of the Father who sees in secret, in order to become perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Incorporated into Christ by baptism, Christians are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, and so participate in the life of the risen Lord. Following Christ and united with him, Christians can strive to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, by conforming their thoughts, words and actions to the mind which is yours in Christ Jesus, and by following his example. 1695. Justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God, sanctified and called to be saints, Christians have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Son teaches them to pray to the Father and, having become their life, prompts them to act so as to bear the fruit of the Spirit by action and charity, healing the wounds of sin. The Holy Spirit renews us interiorly through a spiritual transformation. He enlightens and strengthens us to live as children of the light, though all that he, through all that is good and right and true. 1696. The way of Christ leads to life. A contrary way leads to destruction. The gospel parable of the two ways remains ever-present in the catechesis of the church. It shows the importance of moral decisions for our salvation. There are two ways, the one of life, the other of death. death. But between the two, there is a great difference. Okay, very good. So we are starting a new section of the Catechism. There are four sections of the Catechism. This is the life in Christ, which deals with the moral teachings of the Church. Um, and again, just uh, in... Uh, uh, I will put it in, in honesty, this is the area of theology that I would consider myself to be weakest in. That, um, well, for many reasons, the, the theology courses that I took to become a priest, there were more problems with uh, moral 
the moral classes than any other. And um, so my own formation in moral theology comes obviously from the scripture itself, from having read this section of the Catechism. I think I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast how it was such a great um, event for me when I was a seminarian to study the Catechism as it was released. And so this... um, this section of the catechism, uh, this this section of theology, the whole aspect of moral theology, I have really what I've learned from the catechism itself. Obviously, the catechism, or well, not obviously, but uh, historically, John Paul II delayed the publication of the catechism until he could publish his fantastic moral encyclical, Veritatis Splendor. Veritatis Splendor is probably one of the most important encyclicals published in the 20th century. It is also a fantastic document for moral theology. The other um, encyclical of John Paul II that's especially important in in moral theology is Evangelium Vitae, this uh, Gospel of Life encyclical. Um, So the Splendor of Truth and the Gospel of Life are the two encyclicals that he authored on um, moral theology. They came out fairly close to each other. And uh, this... um, um, the Gospel of Life is one that was very much taken up by the pro-life movement and actually <laughs> nearly found more traction in the evangelical community than in the Catholic community because this was John Paul's big push to have the Gospel of Life and uh, invite people to to life and the whole life issues uh, were uh, is an amazing... Um, encyclical that he did on on moral theology um so as i said those two and then i read a couple of preconciliation manuals as sem- as a seminarian but since ordination all of my studies have been more in the realm of of historical theology of liturgical sacramental theology and now i'm teaching the systematic uh, theology discipline here in renouth and so i'm a bit better at these than the moral theology so hopefully I won't um, lead anybody astray in the commentaries in this section. I please God not, um, or in any of the other commentaries I've given. But again, just as we're starting to say that if you have a moral quandary and Christian life has a lot of grey areas, you know, certain things are clear. You know, certain things are absolutely clear. Should I have an abortion? Yes or no? The answer is no. My mother-in-law is really annoying me, so I want to take a sledgehammer and finish her off and bury her in the back garden under the rose bushes. The answer is no. But a lot of things in the moral life are a little bit ambiguous. And not that there isn't a clear answer. There Many times there is a very clear answer. But how do I reach that clear answer? And it's not simply a rule book. And this is why it's important to speak to a spiritual guide, preferably a priest, who can help you with the big decisions. And in this you have to, I suppose, ask the Holy Spirit for his help in picking somebody who can guide you well. Because sometimes people have the tendency to uh, seek advice from many people and in the end of the day they'll go with the person that tells them to do what they want to do. And unfortunately you can find uh, a priest who will tell you to do whatever you want to do, can justify whatever you want to do. And um, again, there's a big difference 
between justifying a sin before it's committed and being merciful to somebody who is unfortunate enough to have messed up, to have sinned gravely. So in other words, if somebody has tragically uh, committed an abortion or done something uh, really serious, that yes, the church in her mercy can forgive, can justify in a sense them, can forgive them, can rehabilitate them through the sacraments, especially the sacrament of confession. But on the other hand, um, it's very dangerous if somebody, before they commit the sin, goes out and looks for somebody to give them an excuse to tell them that it's not really a sin. But anyway, that's just as a, as a, a preface to this section. And this section starts off with, um, again, it's a very beautiful uh, section of the Catechism. And it starts off with this homily of uh, Leo the Great. Pope Leo the Great, Pope St. Leo the Great, is giving this fantastic homily on Christmas morning. And he says, Christian, recognize your dignity. This actually is the reading that is in the Office of Readings, the official prayer at the church uh, for, the, uh, for Christmas Day. Uh, and here we just have the beginning of the first sentence of the, of the sermon of Leo is quoted. Christian, recognize your dignity and that you share in God's own nature. That Christians have a dignity. That this is really fundamental for Catholic, the, the Catholic understanding of man. Each of us has a dignity as Christian. Again, obviously every human person has a dignity. Whether they be Christian or not, everybody has a dignity. But there's a particular dignity to Christians. And because the Christian has met Christ and been transformed by the grace of the sacrament of baptism, the Christian lives in a different way. And our justification in Christ has to reach us, has to reach our lives. Um, again, uh, this is, uh, I'm afraid, a bit where the Christian theology, the Catholic theology is different to Protestant theology. The Protestant concept of, of man, particularly going at classical uh, Protestantism, classical Lutheranism, um, is that man is utterly corrupt, utterly and uh, terribly corrupt again and that baptism and the grace of Christ and the justification of Jesus in a sense isn't real it's juridic so Luther says that uh, the nature of man is like um, he was in a uh, speaking in a castle and in the castle all of the dung um, although dung is usually called something else uh, of the animals and I presume the people as well was gathered up and uh, put in like a pile in the castle yard and in the courtyard of the castle there was this big pile of dung which is obviously very unattractive very gross very disgusting and Luther says this is what man is like and the justification of Christ is that one day there is a snow and the snow covers this dung and snow transforms. And it's true. If you look out on a morning after it has, there's been a heavy snowfall, everything looks beautiful. In the beginning, everything looks lovely, crisp, clean. And um, he says, this is like the grace of Christ that justifies. So man deep down is the same. 
He deep down he is this pile of dung, and he is transformed by Christ's goodness. Uh, he is sorry. He is justified by Christ's goodness, and um, this is not Catholic. This is not the Catholic way of seeing the Catholic anthropology. Catholic says that Catholicism says that we have a dignity, that we have been changed, that it's not just forgiven, but that God gives the Christian the wherewithal to live in a different way. It says it in the next number, 1692, that Christians are called to lead a new life worthy of the gospel of Christ. They are made capable of doing so by the grace of Christ and the gifts of his spirit, which they receive through the sacraments and through prayer. That we receive grace, we receive the wherewithal to live holy lives. Again, it's not that we never fall, it's not that we never do something wrong, it's not that we never stray, but that if we are living a life of prayer and a life of the sacraments, obviously if somebody is baptised, it's not something simply magic. If you baptise somebody and that person never goes to church, never darkens the door of a church in their life, and uh, never says a, a, a prayer uh, doesn't know what a rosary beads are, doesn't know what the Bible is, never goes to Mass, obviously that person isn't living their Christianity. But if somebody seriously lives their Christianity through a life of prayer and a life of the sacraments, a life of worship of God, of giving worship to God, of blessing God, as we saw before, then their life is different, is transformed, is dignified that this dignity is there and this dignity keeps us from sin or if we fall into sin allows us to come back immediately in a sense sometimes it's not a matter of whether we fall down or not it's what happens after we fall do we stand up again do we go to confession do we tell say an act of contrition do we tell god we're sorry and begin again or do we stay wallowing in our sin, wallowing in our misery, feeling sorry for ourselves, making excuses, blaming other people? And no, the Lord is calling us to himself. He's calling us to follow him, to lead a life that is heading towards life. At the very end, it's quoting from this um, ancient um, ancient uh, Christian work called the Didache, which is the one of the oldest uh, Christian writings that we have that's probably older than parts of the New Testament and it's a catechesis on how to be a Christian. It's an explanation of how to be a Christian. It begins like this um, that there is a way of life and a way of death and that all of us are called to choose life. There are two ways. The one of life, the other of death. But between the two there is a great difference. So again this section of the catechism helps to enlighten us so that we can find the way of life. So very well. So tomorrow we'll continue with this. And tomorrow we'll look at number 1697 and 1698. God bless.